0: If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. How many of you love to worry? Oh, worrying's the best. Jesus has some great advice about worrying. Matthew 6, verse 25. We'll read to the end of the chapter and then we'll be done with Matthew 6. And next week, just so you know, we're talking about judging people. So if you love to judge people, skip next week. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? And see how the flowers of the field grow. They don't even labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry How many of you just got worried thinking about worrying? <laughs> Jeez, yeah. This morning we Pastor Larry spoke on this same passage this morning, and my wife said after the service, man, I was doing really good at not worrying. And then he talked about worrying for an hour, and I'm like, ah, oh, there's a lot to worry about. There's a lot to worry about. This happens. Let's pray together, and then we'll dive in. Father, you tell us to cast our anxieties on the one who cares for us. And that's you. You love us. You've bought us into a community. You've made us into your children. You've called us your sons and daughters and heirs to your kingdom. You've given us security, not just in this world, but eternal security that we will be with you forever. You, you're the one who provides our daily needs. Every good and perfect gift from, comes from you. Help us to, to believe that deep in our hearts in our souls, deep in our stomachs that you're our provider you're in control, and you love us, and you've made us into your children, and you've given us a mission to change the world, not on our own strength, but as we simply cling to you. Help us to run after that and leave worry behind. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you are worriers? All right, here's what we're going to do. This isn't going to be like some counseling session where you say your worry and then it disappears. You'll still have it. You'll probably have it even worse. But tell me your worries. Somebody yell out, what's something that we worry about? You- I'll, I'll move this when I'm done writing so everybody can see it. Finances. What else? Kids. What else? Oh, that's what it was. Health. School, job, health. I thought you said bulls. I'm like, bulls? Who worries about bulls? School, <laughs> job, health. What else? Relationship. somebody say marriage? If not, I said that. Marriage, relationship. Future. Being sick. Walk of life. I'm going to spell half these wrong. Walk of life. If you're left-handed, here's a little tip. Don't use whiteboards. Just smears everything. One more. Everything else. Everything else. <laughs> Very good. Everything else. Everything else. All right. We worry about a lot of things. Some of these things are big things, right? I mean, all these things are pretty much big things. Some of the things we worry about are little things, right? We worry about, oh, I got a final this week. That seems like a big thing. But, you know, when you look at health, that's a bigger thing. Some of us worry about things that probably aren't ever going to happen. Like some of us have these, like, terrible fears that someday we're going to get hit by a bus or something, right? There's no reason to feel like that, but we just worry about it. Some of us worry about real things we 've got a risk in our family for cancer we 've got a risk for heart disease we 've got some kind of disease we 've been struggling with. Some of us have a family history of alcoholism, and it hasn 't hit us yet and we 're worried about it right? Some of these things are big things, some of us think things are small things and Jesus speaks to this topic of worry in Matthew chapter six, and he gives us his advice. Here it is don 't worry, like Bobby McFerrin would say right don 't worry be happy now. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. And you can just whistle and be happy and you don't have to worry about anything. How many of you knew before this day that Jesus said, don't worry about stuff? You knew that already? That's still hard though, right? Like just knowing that you're not supposed to worry doesn't make it so that you don't worry. Like Kevin and Jessica know you're not supposed to worry, but he's going to have no job tomorrow, right? Maybe I just broke this to you, but That income and money, and you got to pay for your house and things. Like, it could be easy to worry. It can be easy to worry. Some of you have been out of work for a while, and you were cool for a little while, and then you're, like, looking at your watch and saying, Jesus, you're supposed to give me a job so I don't starve. (laughs) When's it going to come? And you have an interview, and then it fails. An interview, then it fails. An interview, that fails. And you tell God, God, I've been doing a good job not worrying, but now I'm going to start worrying. It doesn't seem like you care about me down here, and I've got some stuff going on that I can't get a hold of, and we worry. Some of you have gone to the doctor and they gave you a diagnosis. I'm not 100% sure, but it might be this or it could be this terrible thing. But it's a small chance it's the terrible thing. And, but you start to worry. Some of you worry constantly. Worry about your kids. Worry about your money. Worry about your life. You're worried what your friends are going to think. or you are worried about this or that or this? We worry. And Jesus says when it comes to worry, don't do it. And he doesn't tell us a laundry list of things that we're not supposed to worry about. He just picks two things says, don't worry about your life, (laughs) what you'll eat, and don't worry about your body, what you're going to wear. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I don't really worry about what to wear. Like, I got a lot of clothes in my closet. And... I mean, sometimes I worry about what to eat because, like, I like In-N-Out, but Burger King's a little closer to my house, right? And so I really worry about it. What Jesus is not saying is not choosing which restaurant to eat at. He's not saying don't worry about what you're going to pick out of your closet. What he's saying is with these really big parts of life, he says, with your life itself, right? The, the Greek word there means, like, your actual self, your spirit, your soul. Not your everlasting soul, but, like, your person, your life, like, being alive. He says, don't worry about living or dying, And he says, like, for example, if you don't eat, you know how you starve to death and your breath stops and you die? That's what I'm talking about. Don't worry about the fact that you might die because you don't know where your next meal is going to come from. So there might be times in your life when you look in your cupboards and they're empty and you look in your checkbook and it's empty. And you're thinking, God, if I don't eat, I'll starve. And if I starve, I'll die. God, my life is going to ebb away if you don't change my circumstances. Jesus says, don't worry about that. Don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat. Don't worry about your body, what you're going to wear. He says there might be a time in life when you don't have the sustenance to be able to provide clothes for yourself. And you think, God, if I don't get clothes, then my clothes are going to decompose and I'm going to be naked. That's not good. And and I'm going to be exposed to the elements. God, I'm going to die out there if I don't have clothes on my back. Jesus says the basic human needs, food and clothing. Don't worry about that stuff. Don't worry about it. I mean, he probably also would include job and kids and finances and marriage and relationships and school and future. But Jesus just dives right to the basic of all human needs and says, there might be times in your life where you don't know if you're going to survive, where you don't know where your next meal is going to come from, where you don't know if you're going to have anything in your closet to wear, and you'll die of exposure to the elements. You might be naked and poor and hungry and starving to death. When that time comes, Jesus says, don't worry about that stuff. Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink. Don't worry about your body, what you'll wear. Jesus says, don't worry about survival. And then he asks a question that kind of puts the whole thing in perspective and sets up this whole section that he brings up here. He says, Is life not more than food? Is the body not more than clothing? In other words, you're so worried about surviving is is there more to life than just surviving it? We can get so caught up in worrying about all the things of life that we miss the point of life, Jesus says. There's more to life than just not dying. There's more to life than just not starving to death. There's more to life than just having clothes on your back. There's a purpose that God has given you in this world. There is a reason that you live on this earth. And when you're so consumed with all the little things or the big things or the tangible things in front of you, you can lose sight of the big, big picture, he says. Life is more than surviving. I want you to thrive in this world. I want you to fulfill the purpose I've given you in this world. I want you to be my children in this world. It's almost like Jesus is saying, for the last thousands of years, as I've watched the human race I created, and I watched them worrying about eating and drinking, and I've been wor- they're worrying about their jobs and their kids and their finances and school, and they're worrying about all these things. I look down from heaven and I say, you guys are so consumed with worrying about all the stuff that you're missing life. You're not living it. You're just wallowing in worry." And Jesus says, if you you worry about stuff and you're missing life, it's passing you by because you're just consumed with the things that are seizing your heart that are in front of you and you're missing opportunities and you're not living, living. You're just worrying and surviving. Jesus says, let me point your attention to two things in this world. Birds and flowers. Birds and flowers, cool, okay. Yesterday morning, I woke up early. So you've got little kids, you wake up early because they wake up early. And I'm like, oh, what time is it? And I hear birds chirping outside my window. Birds wake up early. <laughs> do they? If you try to sleep in, you know that. Birds wake up early. you ever watched birds before? You go outside and you see them just hopping around all day, jumping from tree to tree, chasing each other, getting food, building nests, doing their thing, just going, 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 going. Jesus says, let's look at the birds for a second. You don't ever see a bird, like, planting a farm, do you? (laughs) I mean, there's that little hen that did all the work in that nursery rhyme. Besides that, you don't don't see a bird, like, storing up crops and reaping in a harvest and putting in a big thing. Like, yeah, I got a lot of fruit this year, right? And putting together, like, a nest kind of silo and dumping all the little, like, fruit in there. be Like, I'm going to be set for winter. He says, you don't see birds doing that, right? Birds just bounce around all day and they eat stuff. That's all they do. And birds go through hard times. In the winter, the leaves fall off the trees, the fruit die. Birds can die, right? And they, they just still bounce around. They look for worms in the ground. Try to find ways to eat stuff that'll keep them from dying. And Jesus says the birds, though, they, they don't have a big plan, right? They, they don't have a contingency plan. They're not set up. They don't have a 401k. They don't have any of that stuff. And, but you never really see birds worrying. He says God feeds them, right? They eat off the trees, they, they find food, they forage, they figure it out. They, your Heavenly Father feeds them, and they don't worry about it. Like, oh, okay, I won't worry anymore then, because birds don't. Birds don't worry. He says, you guys love worrying. like, How many of you, if, if you worry really, really hard, is it going to make you live any longer? Right? Like, if a bird bounces around and eats all day, and he lives for like five, I don't know how long birds live, in bird years. Like, it lives like five years or something, right? And the bird next door, like, bounces around and then goes through a really hard patch. His wife leaves him or whatever bird wives do and (laughs) spirals out of control, doesn't eat for a while, then the ground dries up and then he dies. If that bird would have worried more, would he have lived longer? Like, for you, this is getting ridiculous, I'm sorry. For you, (laughs) you go through your life and you go get a job and try to make money, put food on the table, all that kind of stuff, and we worry about that a lot, right? Does that help? <laughs> you live longer because you worry more? You probably, probably make a study that shows that you die sooner because you worry more, right? Worrying doesn't do anything. Why do we do it? He says. Birds don't worry, they're okay. So look at the flowers of the field, he says. They're beautiful. Right? They're clothed more, than, more beautiful than Solomon in all his splendor. These lilies of the field that God just enrobes in, in these beautiful colors, and I don't worry about it. You don't see like flowers with a sewing machine, like making these beautiful like tunics for themselves and things. It just, God just grows them. He says, If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, you kind of cut it down, you dry it out, and use it as kindling in your fireplace, how much more will God clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? On one hand, we look at birds and we look at grass and we say, well, that's not fair because those are animals. Jesus says, listen, I, I look at you guys and the big difference between you and the animals and you and the grass of the field is you know there's a God in heaven. You know that there's one from above who feeds you. You know that the one who feeds the birds is God. You know that the one who clothes the lilies of the field is God. You know this stuff and you're the ones who worry. Like these birds have been wired to kind of bounce around and just eat, 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 eat. These lilies in the field have been wired to just grow and be dressed by God. We've been wired to be provided for by God. We've been wired to have the things that we need given to us by God. And Jesus says, and yet you're worried. You know what the difference is between you and birds? You have less faith than a bird. You have less faith than grass. Great news for us, right? You have less faith than grass. Because a bird just thinks he bounces around and eats, but you worry because you're scared that God won't provide for you. You're scared that the one who clothes the lilies of the field and the one who feeds the birds of the air, that, that he's somehow abandoned you. Because worrying is, more than anything else, it's a faith issue. We worry about our family because we're scared what's going to happen because we don't know what God's going to do. We worry about our finances because we don't know what God's going to do. And we, we can make it certain in our minds, God, no, way, trust you. I trust you. I trust you. But sometimes it's like, God, I don't know if I actually do trust you because you haven't done anything here yet. This looks bleak, God. Other times we, it's not that we don't trust God in terms of we don't know if he's real or not, but we say, God, I trust you with my life, but I'm scared that I'm going to die because birds die. You know that, right? Some birds don't eat and they starve to death. Some lilies grow up and just get burned to the ground, right? And, and God's in charge of them, and they're not worrying about it, but God just kills them. <laughs> and so we release our lives into the hands of the one who's supposed to provide for us, but that's scary stuff because if we just say, God, you know, I'm not going to worry about stuff. It's on you now. What if he lets us die like that bird in my backyard? <laughs> What if when I go through a hard winter and there's no food, I keel over because I just gave it over to the Lord? No, thank you. I'm going to take this for myself, and I will provide for myself because I'm scared of what God will do if I entrust this to him. He says, when we worry about things, it's a, it's a faith issue. We don't know if we trust God with these things. That's what's different between us and the birds. How many of you took psychology 101? college, whenever. How many of you have heard of Maslow? Abraham Maslow, hierarchy of needs, remember that guy? We're going to do a little psychology lesson today. This is not going to go where you think it's going to go, but we're going to do a psychology lesson today. Maslow made this, this pyramid, the hierarchy of needs, and I'm going to draw a pyramid. It's going to look like a triangle. We're not going to enter into a multi-level marketing kind of deal tonight. This is just, remember that on The Office? Um, okay, so Maslow, Maslow says this, that if you want to thrive as a human being, you cannot thrive unless you go up the pyramid, my like Dr. Seuss pyramid here, go up the pyramid this way. So he says the basic of all human needs are like the physiological needs. So like food, water, clothes, sustenance, right? That's the basic of all human needs. The top of the pyramid is self-actualization. Don't zone out yet. This is going to be fun. Self-actualization. Self-actualization. So like really understanding your purpose in life and going after it and just knowing what you're here on earth to do. He says, if you don't have food to eat, you're never going to realize your purpose, right? You're going to be so consumed with these basic needs of life that you're never going to move beyond this. He says, okay, the next step, say you've got enough food to eat. Most of you have eaten today. I can tell you look good. So you've eaten. He says, the next step up is safety. Safety. Security. Security. Right? So that includes like financial security, that's physical safety. So, like if you've got enough food in your belly, you've got access to clean water, you've got clothes on your back, but you're living in terror, right? You're in a scary, scary neighborhood like Kevin and Jessica. Or like, or uh, you live in an abusive household, or you don't have any money in the bank, and you're scared that at any moment, everything's going to fall apart. You're never going to live out the purpose that you're on this earth to, to, to do. You're never going to self-actualize if you don't have safety. If you've got food and water and clothes, then you start being consumed with safety. He says the next one up, and I'm probably going to mess one up because I always do, is love, community, community. So, you, so you've got food in your belly, you've got water to drink, you've got the clothes on your back, right? And, and you've got safety, that, that you're, you're in a place where you know, you know you're not scared that you're not gonna have enough money for your next meal. You're not scared that you're gonna get murdered on the way home. You're not scared that someone's gonna abuse you when you get to your house tonight. He says, the next one, you can't experience what life is all about unless you have love, like a loving community, a family unit, or a community like a religious community. There are people around you, friendships, people that love you. You can't truly thrive as a human being unless you know that you're loved. If you don't have food and water, you're never gonna get up here. But if you have food and water and safety and love, then you can get to this second to last one. This is esteem, right? This is why in like the 70s and 80s, all of the psychologists were all about helping kids experience self-esteem because they said, what we learned in Maslow in the 40s is that kids can't self-actualize, even if they're in a loving family, even if they're safe and they have food, right? We give them school lunches, we give them a safe place after school they can go, we show them their love, now we have to teach the kids self-esteem, this is the psychology, if we teach the kids the self-esteem, then they can thrive, then they can self-actualize, and And so if you do have your tangible needs met and you're not scared that everything's going to fall apart and you know that you're loved and you know that you have worth, then and only then can you truly live out the purpose that you're here on this earth. And I don't know if Maslow knew what the purpose of life was, but what he's really saying is you cannot start to understand yourself and live out the life that you're supposed to live if all these things aren't here in this order. What we notice in this passage and what we noticed in the passage even last week is that Jesus is actually starting to chip away at, at some of this. You notice that? And Jesus says, why do you worry? Let's read what he says about pagans. Pagan's a fun word. He says, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And birds kind of, birds aren't pagans, they're birds, but... Birds run after food and water and clothes, right? Birds aren't really concerned about love or maybe if you're animal people, you'll believe that or self-esteem, right? Birds aren't looking for their purpose in life, but birds, like they're just bouncing around looking for food, clothing, and love. And so she said, well, birds have this, right? Human beings though, pagans, people who don't know Jesus, people who aren't religious people who believe that there is a God in the heaven, they run after these things, They're consumed with these things. They're stuck down on this part of the pyramid because they're so scared that they're not going to have food or they're not going to have enough financial security that their kids can't go to college. They're just scared that their health's going to fall apart. They're scared of all these things. And pagans cannot... Jesus says, really move forward and live life because they run after this part of the pyramid. Jesus didn't know who Maslow was. Maslow may or may not know who Jesus was. But Jesus says, this is the part of the pyramid where pagans just run after the stuff. He says, but your heavenly father knows that you need this stuff. The difference between you and a pagan is that you as believers, you should know that you don't have to worry about these things. Your heavenly father knows you need food. He knows you need water. He knows you need clothes on your back. Right? Remember last week we talked about money? Why are you so consumed with having financial security? Your heavenly father is your security, Jesus says. He says you get so consumed you cannot live out the life God has called you to live because you, like a pagan, are running after these things and you're so worried. God, where am I going to get food? Where am I going to get water? Where am I going to get clothes? How am I going to have financial security? Jesus says the pagans live this way, but you should be different. It's for believers, we know that our Heavenly Father knows we need these things. Now, this doesn't change the fact, right? Some of us say, well, that means that if you're a Christian, you're not going to starve to death. If you're a Christian, you'll have enough water to drink. If you're a Christian, you're not going to die of exposure. Christians die of all these things all the time. And Jesus is not making a promise that if you follow him, you're not going to die. People ask that sometimes. Say, well, God says that he takes care of his people, but I know about all these people around the world, they're starving to death. They don't have clean water. They They're dying of all these different diseases and I thought God's supposed to care for them. Isn't that why you're not supposed to worry because God will take care of you? That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says you're not supposed to worry because you know that God is in control of these things. So the birds of the air, sometimes they starve to death. The birds of the air, sometimes they have no water and they die. The birds of the air, when it gets cold, birds have a really hard time keeping warm. That's why they're trying to find worms. They don't have food to eat. They're eating all this fatty food trying to stay warm in the winter and hoping they don't keel over. They're not worried about it. But God lets them die sometimes. Jesus isn't saying you're not going to die if you follow him. Maybe you're more likely to live. I don't know. What Jesus is saying is that the reason that we can not worry is because we can release control of these things and say, you know what? Just like a bird. I'm more like a bird than I am like a non-believer. I'm more like grass than I am like a non-believer because non-believers think it's their job to provide for themselves. I know as a believer in my head, maybe not my heart, but I know as a believer that it's God's job to provide for me. And so it's almost like Jesus is advocating that we step outside this pyramid. It's interesting if you walk up this pyramid knowing what God wants us to know about himself and the way that he's created us, that Jesus says, don't run after food, water, and clothing. That's God's job. God's going to make sure that you have food to eat or God's going to be the one who lets you starve to death. But give that one over to God, right? God should be your security, not money. Don't worship money. You can't serve two masters. Either you're going to love one and hate the other, right? Last week, let your financial security, let your security be in the hands of God. Do not just cling to this part of the pyramid, right? You're truly loved in God. God has given you a community of brothers and sisters in faith that you have love because the God of the universe loves you. Even if your parents don't love you, even if no one's ever loved you before, your husband doesn't love you. It doesn't matter. i mean, sad. It matters. But God loves you, so no matter where you are in this world, even if you feel like you're hated by everyone, God loves you, so no matter what, you have this. Even if no one in the world loves you, God does, and you can trust that and hold on to that. God has made you an heir to his throne, right? To his kingdom. God has made you his son, his daughter. Even if you have no worth in this world, if you're the lowliest person, you've got no money, no stature, no esteem, right? You're the least of the least in the world. Jesus says, you'll be the most in my kingdom. I have given you value because I have made you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You've been made in the image of God. You have inherent esteem because God has esteemed you. He's made you in his image. So even if the world tells you you're terrible, Even if nobody in the world loves you, even if you're in a wreck in terms of safety, even if you are dying of starvation, you have a God who's looking out for your physical needs. You have a God who is your security. You have a God who loves you intimately, who has made you his child, and you can go out and thrive in this world even if you're starving to death. I mean, look at the people in the Bible, right? Right? Remember the Apostle Paul talking about the hardships that he experienced? He's beaten, he's taken down, he's hard-pressed from every side. He's persecuted, he says, but not abandoned. There's a God in the universe and my value comes from him and I'm looking to him, right? The author of Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. When all of this stuff in this world is empty, God fills it. Jesus says, don't worry. When you worry, you're like a pagan who runs after these things. That's not your job. It's not your job to find love in all the wrong or right places, right? It's not your job to find self esteem by reading a book on self help. It's not your job to find safety by building a financial portfolio. It's not your job to provide for yourself. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. It's God's job to do all these things. Jesus says Is not life more than food? Isn't there more to life than just being safe? Isn't there more to life to the body than clothing? The pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. Not necessarily a promise, but if you love Jesus, you won't die of starvation. Jesus says, you can bypass, he says, in, in 1,942 years, a guy named Maslow is going to build a pyramid. Ignore it. As a believer, you can bypass all these things, not because you don't have them, but because you have them in Christ. And it so says, seek first the kingdom of God. And that's how you actualize. It's not about yourself, it's about him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about your food. Don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about your safety. Don't worry that you don't know what you're gonna do in the fall. Don't worry about those things. That Seek first his kingdom. Now, under, understanding this means you can walk into a city with no job after you left a really nice job around a lot of really nice people, like in a room like this, right? You can walk into a city like Oakland, for example, and, and you can say, you know what? I, safety not guaranteed. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to eat. I, I don't have job security anywhere. I don't have a bunch of people around me who love me necessarily. You guys do have a lot of people around you who love you. I'm not talking about you. This is hypothetical. Like, even if your self-esteem was really low, right, you would say, you know what, I'm going to walk into the city, I'm going to seek the kingdom of God. You know, Kevin brought up the Apostle Paul, that's how Apostle Paul can step into a city where everybody hated him, and just preach the gospel, and I'd be like, oh, I'm getting beaten so I can't actualize myself right now, all right? So I don't care, beat me all you want. My is in God, he keeps me safe. Hate me all you want, God loves me. <laughs> Safety not guaranteed, I don't care if I die, I get to be with him. If I'm going to starve to death, great, I'll be in heaven tomorrow. I'm going to go after the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. And all these things we be added to me if he wants. If not, who cares? I'm with him. Ever wonder why the people in the Bible, like the Apostle Paul, can talk about how it's so easy it seems to just not care about anything that happens to them? Oh, I don't care if I'm beaten. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of want to stay because I love being with you, but I kind of want to die because then I get to be with Jesus. Like, what? You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you as well. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry, worry for itself. It's kind of silly. Days can't worry. He's joking, right? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry for itself. <laughs> today has enough trouble of its own, amen? It's enough today that we're going to face that it's not helpful. It's not an hour to our life. And even if we're concerned, deeply concerned about surviving, Jesus says, there's... There's a lot more to life than just not dying. Uh, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. Now you might die. Jesus would say that a Christian would be safer to die in the will of God than survive outside of it. It's more noble to starve to death on the mission field than to be ineffective and eat McDonald's all day. Seek his kingdom first. Seek his righteousness first. Let let God worry about these things for you. And Jesus, looking at the human race that he created, thinking, why are they so consumed with all the stuff that's so low on the priority list? Don't they know that I give them that stuff? You're doing my job, and you're not doing your job. Seek my kingdom. Seek my righteousness let tomorrow worry for itself and let me take care of everything else you need. That's my job. You do your job. Run after me. Abide in me. Cling to me. And Tonight as we receive communion, we, we remember again that life comes by abiding in Jesus, not by anything else. And we say this every week, but we think that food is what keeps us alive. We think that drink is what keeps us alive. Jesus says, no, I'm what keep you alive. This is my body. My death on the cross gives you life. This blood, this, this, this cup is the blood of my new covenant. For you, drink this as often as you drink it in. Remembrance of me, that you have life because of me, because of my death on the cross, because of the breath I've put in you. I am your sustainer. Your, consume me, Jesus says, and you'll have life. Come to me, come to me, stop going to other places. Like Paul said last week, stop two weeks ago, stop, stop going to these cisterns that don't hold water. Stop going to these idols that are made out of sticks. Stop going to all these silly things, come to me for life. And communion is a time where we remember that we come to Jesus for life. That his death on the cross forgives our sins and his resurrection from the grave gives us new life. And so we cling to him for dear life. We seek after his kingdom, his righteousness. And, and he provides the life that we live. If you're a believer in Jesus, communion is for you. It's the time to come and remember and celebrate and proclaim the death of Christ until he comes back. And if you're not a believer, this is the time for you to sit back in your seat and you maybe reflect. Think about these things. I mean, It's a cool idea to do the self-actualization thing, but it's not going to work, right? You can teach kids self-esteem all you want. They're not going to have purpose until they find the God of the universe who created them for purpose. So you can think, okay, if I just get my food in order and I get my final security and I know that I'm loved and I have self-esteem, then I could do something in this world. You're still going to be empty. You need Christ. You bypass the pyramid with Jesus. Come to him tonight. Confess your sins. Turn to God. Ask him for life. Ask him for forgiveness. Talk to somebody about that tonight. Don't take communion. Spend some time and ask Jesus into your life tonight. Let me pray for us and then we'll receive communion together.